Welcome to A Better Way Podcast with your host, Ryan Haley. Learn to excel in business God's way, where the supernatural meets the practical. Experience a better way to succeed and learn from real-life business owners and entrepreneurs who have prospered in unconventional ways. Be inspired by their true stories and realize that prayer can become your practical source of provision when you embrace walking by faith and not human sight. And now, here's your host, Ryan Haley. Welcome to A Better Way Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Haley. And for this interview with Isaac Bennett, I split it into two different episodes. Part one, or episode 92, is where Isaac shares his really deep personal struggle with addiction to pornography and getting to the point where he was actually about to take his own life by committing suicide. We talk about the incredible grace and redemption that he experienced with that, and then the breakthrough and the blessings that lead into a really miraculous financial testimony for his church and his new business venture. So make sure to check out both episodes, episode 92, which is part one, and episode 93, which is part two. It's really powerful and very practical. You'll see that we get into a variety of different conversation topics in this interview, which we're pretty much going to pick up right where we left off last week. And just to give you some context, this is where Isaac is talking about finishing the church building fund that the Lord had put on his heart. And at the time, they didn't know where they were going to come up with the funds in the final week before they were ready to launch this. So that kind of sets the stage for where we're going to get into for part two of this amazing interview with Isaac Bennett. Enjoy. Six weeks ago, we were still looking at each other and going, don't know if we have the money to do this. So Blake and I had decided, hey, look, and we put this forth to the leadership team. We uh, excused ourselves from the decision-making progress so we could stay uh, above board from an integrity standpoint. We said, look, we'll pay for 10 years of the rental space up front. We'll pay 50 grand, put it up front so we can actually fill the gap of the money we need for renovations just to say, look, this is how we can get to the end of this renovation thing. And, and we did that about two months ago. We said, look, we'll do this and do it. Well, fast forward to yesterday and my sister and I are, 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 are sitting there and I said, Holly, we have a hundred and the church, the church has $120,000 in the bank and we're done. What happened? <laughs> she's, she's like, I have no idea what happened. We didn't give the 50,000. We, we oh, never hadn't had even to. done it. No, oh my gosh. No. So in effect, we were about 170 grand above, above, <laughs> beyond where we thought we were. And maybe that just makes me sound negligent as the finance director, but I can <laughs> tell you, I have no idea how it happened. And I checked that account every transaction multiple times a day for a year. And I have no idea how we ended up with 120 grand in the bank for the church. That so, sounds like impossible math that God would do. That's, it, and, and you are, you seem very intelligent, very detail oriented like me. We connected on that level. I am no doubt that you were not negligent, that you knew every penny, you know, cause you were probably checking that sucker every couple of every days, you know, day. <laughs> yeah. every day to the point where we had said, okay, in our human flesh, we were going to have to give this 50 grand somehow. Let's make it a little, a little trade. I, it, I, I've never experienced something that was so loaves and fishes as that. And, and, you know, my sister, she's, like I said, she has way more faith than me. So she was kind of like, yeah, I told you. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let me, let me explain the numbers to you there, Holly. Like you understand. Yeah. I know. I know. That's what's so awesome. Um, like I've seen this over and over again. I think back to things. I'm like, wait a minute. How, 
and I'm really good at checking up on numbers. It's kind of my job, you know, and my, my yeah. passion as an investor. And I'm like, sometimes it's just the math doesn't add up. And you're like, what the heck? You know, it's like, like you said, the loaves and the fishes. I love, if you guys haven't seen the chosen, uh, I just watched the season um, finale for season two yesterday, but there was one part that especially, and if you haven't seen this, Isaac, and any of our listeners who are more investing and in financially and numerically inclined, there was one um, about where God does impossible math and it was about the impossible catch. You know, they have this huge tax debt and Peter goes out and uh, this is like the first time that Jesus really experienced, uh, you know, connected with Peter. And they had just, just this boat load, you know, breaking boat, breaking load of fish that they get totally impossible. And, and then there was a really cool behind the scenes in the, um, you know, where the, the producer Dallas Jenkins and the creator are talking about all this stuff and how even that, um, show itself had impossible math. And I think a big part of it, honestly, Isaac, is that you were willing in your heart, you had consecrated that $50,000 at a super early stage startup business venture to go towards this thing. And I think it's sometimes it's kind of like, you know, Abraham and Isaac with the, you know, mm. the ram and thicket. It's like you had made that commitment in your heart. And then God's like, well, that's cool. I actually don't need you. To, I just want to know that you are willing, right? Because that's another layer of you right now going through this journey of giving up control and security and trusting God. And look what happened. I don't have much to add to that because you said it better than I possibly could have. It, it was, that was exactly what it felt like. It felt like the Lord bringing the ram out of a thicket and saying, here's the sacrifice. And, um, yeah, I, like I said, I have nothing else to add to that, Ryan, because that was exactly how it felt like and how it went down. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I might have experienced one or two of these in my own time, too. So, <laughs> you know, we can start to relate to these things more. But that's just what's so cool about all these things is that you see how all these parts of us as whole human beings come together and the Lord puts those broken pieces together and starts connecting dots. Like what I'm doing right now with um, financial planning, insurance, and then personal coaching and ministry and this podcast, like there's so many seemingly disconnected random things that have now just like perfectly converged in ways I could not have imagined. And it's because God was just showing me like, this is all part of one thing. This is all part of who I've made you to be personally. This is part of the calling and the, you know, the impact that you're going to have in, in our case in business, as well as in ministry. And it's just, it's just, God just puts these things together in ways we cannot possibly comprehend or predict. Uh, yes, it does. And, and I think that is the area of my life where I'm still most convicted because I still wake up every day in doubt. And I, I, like I said, I've never doubted my faith. I have no doubt about what Jesus did for me on the cross. I don't doubt any of that. But part of this addiction that I'm breaking to my security is I still wake up and doubt that God's going to put the right pieces together at the right time. And um, very, just a very personal anecdote, not that I haven't already shared enough of them, good grief, <laughs> but a uh, very personal anecdote. My prayer every single day right now is not by my strength, but by yours, mm. not by my abilities or my <laughs> skills, whatever I perceive them to be. I'm sure I'm wrong about them anyway but by yours. This is yours. You, you can figure this out. I don't think I can. You can figure it out. And just trying to build my faith for that. Do you mind though, if I, if I flip the script and, and asked you, when you made that move um, sort of on your own and doing what you're doing, how long did that, was that process for you? Is it something you still go through? And, and how do you deal with that in your own life, that, that uncertainty? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, so I would say, first of all, as you guys, as you know, probably from having seen the website and as you guys, if you've been listening to this, I quote this verse over and over and over, 
But First Corinthians one twenty five, right? For the weakness of God is stronger than human strength, and the so foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And yeah. I first started that journey by leaving a very lucrative job as a you know Pentagon defense budget analyst, make you know overseeing a four and a half billion dollar appropriation, um, making good money as an officer with an upward career trajectory in the defense contracting private industry kind of sector. And I had zero, zero interest or desire. In fact, I was chomping at the bed. I couldn't wait to get out of wow. where I was going, which makes no sense. And then that was because I think maybe contrasting where you were at the time versus where I was, I had worked through a lot of stuff and I was seeing clearly, and I, I think I could trust my heart's desires. And I kind of knew that I was like hearing from the Lord and it made no sense whatsoever to leave this potentially you know, very uh, already a very lucrative career as a, as an officer, and then potentially even more in the private sector, which was kind of the whole plan of going out there in the first mm. place is using my MBA in financial management and that background to kind of grease the skids for a civilian transition, but I just zero desire whatsoever. So that was God's grace. I didn't, it wasn't even an option for me either. Like I could not wait to get the heck out of there. Nice. And that's a very polite way of putting it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in my old sailor days, I would have phrased that quite a bit differently, but, uh, you know, so that was like, I couldn't wait, even though it made no sense, but I, luckily I had been kind of saving up and I was, you know, always been financially kind of, um, I guess savvy and just, you know, managing my own finances. Um, so I had enough uh, opportunity to do that, but it was still like, and I had no interest in real estate either as a realtor mm. at the time, but it was a really important stepping stone in my journey of learning what I love. I love the idea of the freedom, you know, the relational connections, kind of making your life what you want it to be. And, um, so that was kind of helped, but that was a big step of faith. And there were times where I was, I never regretted the decision, but I was like, what is going on? I never forget after I got out, you know, I was walking the street, just hitting the street as some just schmuck realtor trying to dress up business brand new. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I was wearing a uniform, you know, at a good position, managing a four and a half billion dollar annual appropriation last month. Yep. Now I'm here. Like what? So I had to like, it was a, a humble adjustment period for sure. Yeah. And then I saw some amazing experiences, you know, right off the bat as a realtor. And then, so it, again, it's that kind of analogy I come back to that I shared with you earlier, Isaac, it's one little step at a time. You've already made some big steps, a leaving that secure, comfortable job, then being willing to put in $50,000 and realizing you didn't even have to, because it's already overfunded by 120,000. So that's going to give you some strength for the next, because there will be another one. I guarantee you, you know, the next step that comes God's going to show you something and that's going to seem crazy, but you, it's not going to be as hard because you've had some conditioning and some training in the spiritual gym, right? You're like, well, okay, I, I did this. I was willing to do this. I didn't need to. So that's a, you know, that's another source of like, uh, it's easier to trust God now as the stakes get higher and higher Then eventually, you know, and I, you guys know the whole story in my book, which I don't have time to go into now, but it was one thing after the next. And each one thing was like a stair step that led to a higher one that led to a higher one. So that eventually you're making super life-changing, crazy decisions in a very short amount of time because you've experienced enough of God's goodness and trustworthiness that you've got that spiritual muscle memory and you can kind of flip on a dime because you know you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and you've seen it before. Well, that's 10 times the answer I could have hoped for because it was both uh, an incredible example and also just so poignant. I, I think that... Um, you called something out there in sort of, I guess, the the decision that we made to fill the gap that the church we thought that the church needed. But I'll be honest, like I, I don't know that I did that out of faith as much as I did out of selfish, uh, like 
just cre- um, creative thinking to get the the most important <laughs> to thing. check the box. The most important <laughs> thing in my life was like, we have to get this funded. There's all these people that think we're going to get this done. Like, what are we going to do? Well, here's how we're going to do it. So I'd love to be like, oh, this is our offering. This is our gift. But no, I was like, we got to get this done. So the that fact was like that me you, at the Pentagon, it was a compulsion. Like I, I it yeah. was like, you didn't, God didn't have to twist your arm. You were chomping at the bit. Well, I guess so. I guess so. We just, we, we had to get that, the funding now, but you, you drew a, a, a line, you connected a line there for me that I maybe hadn't connected that that was God uh, testing us in a certain sense, in a, in a, in a sacrificial sense. And uh, now I guess I can look back on that and say, Hey, we, we kind of passed, I guess. That worked so, out pretty well. We were willing to yeah. do it. And if we had done it, it would have been blessed because you and I know as investors, you know, you're putting seed in the ground, it's earning, yeah. it's going to burn more over time. And that's a good investment. But also you could say, well, in this case, I didn't even need to, but that's going in what I call, you know, your rich history with God that you can Mm. draw on that well you can draw on. And I've had to do some of those things over and over. And it's going to be, you know, I think you can also learn to trust like, okay, I really was hearing from the Lord. And no matter how it looks, because it's never going to look the same. It's always going to be totally different than what you expect, but it's always going to be better which is kind of a new twist on Ephesians 3.20. You know, if it's Mm. exceedingly abundantly beyond all I could ask, think, or imagine, then by definition, it's not going to look like what I thought it was going to look like, but it's going to be way better. And it's just that adjustment period. So I'd say you're well on your way. It's just going to be more versions of this and the stakes will increase, but your faith will be there to meet it because you've been through these, uh, you know, you could call it a test. I think it's more of um, God revealing for our benefit where our hearts are and showing us things kind of pinpointing like a doctor, you know, like mm. I know when I'm working with my physical therapist, when there's that spot in my shoulder from that injury and he starts to get it, it's like, Oh, that's not, you know, I don't want that. <laughs> but that's the spot you want to work on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is just another way of God, you know um, yes, it is. A te- I guess it's testing us, but I like to think of it more um, on a grace-based paradigm of it's him lovingly revealing areas that we can trust him more and enter into more of his rest and goodness. Uh, that's again, a much better way to put it than I did. I, it's almost like you, you're a professional at this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, uh, it stands out to me just how gentle the Holy spirit is with us in these things. It, yeah. it, he is, he is so much gentler than I give him credit for every single time in revealing these things in our lives. And, um, I have to constantly go back to that and just thank the Lord for how gentle he does reveal these things and how, um, gentle he humbles us. Yeah, it really is. I mean, he's just good. That's just like the more and more is that's kind of the bottom line. If you can pull it all down, it's just like God is better than I thought he could ever be. And I get increasingly aware of that Mm. as time goes on. And so that's like, you know, he will call us to do some very scary, difficult things sometimes. And it's not all, you know, sunshines and unicorns as you've clearly shown us, you know, Uh, anybody who's listened to my story knows that's the case too. But I think it's like, you can trust him more because you truly know and have personally experienced that he's actually really good. Not in this dressed up weird religious paradigm that we get in church and just this culture sometimes, but like, no, actually really, really actually good. And therefore I'm not as scared of it anymore. Yep. Definitely true. And that's something that I've learned through the the lows actually is that the Lord desperately wants good things for my life. And he wants me to be able to experience his goodness in a healthy way and in a way that I can actually recognize that it's his goodness. And um, maybe that is one advantage of having been to the extreme low that I got to is that now I see God in everything. I recognize mm. his, his fingerprint in absolutely everything. And I, I think I take a lot less of it for granted because of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it becomes easier to see in these little things. I, I catch my, I'll give you a good example. As one investor to another, one of the most frustrating things for me in the last six to nine months is wanting and having the ability financially more than ever in my life to invest in some great opportunities, but I can't because I'm not an accredited investor yet. And that has been so frustrating. I keep trying to find ways to like, you know, figure it out in my own strength and effort. And I just repeatedly get blocked from this. But it also, it revealed to me that this is another area that I need to trust God. And he's going to be able to provide for me in ways I can't think about. And he already has, but it's, um, it's, it's him lovingly revealing, like you've got a plan and yes, you gave, you used the brain I gave you and the anointing that I gave you with finances to, you know, kind of come up with some of this stuff. But it's, it's a areas where I have to increasingly become more aware of where I'm relying on myself. But the kind of part that I really wanted to share with that is whether it was selling a property um, a little over a year ago to this whole thing is like, I find myself being able to catch myself early in the process and I'm getting pressure. Why is this contract falling through? This is ridiculous. You know, the appraisal should have been at least this or whatever. And, and sooner, a lot sooner than it used to be not perfect, but sooner than it used to be, I'll be up, oh, wait a minute. Nope. This is just another plot twist. This is another one of those things where what looks like a setback becomes a setup. And I don't know how that's going to turn out right now, but I'm much more easily able to align myself with that paradigm and trusting God and being like, okay, uh, this ain't my first rodeo. I've just wrote a book about this. I've talked about it. This is just going to be one, another one of those. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And I would, I would echo one point there in that some of the best decisions I've ever made were deals that fell through, not of my own power. Yeah. The deals that I was trying so hard to get done and couldn't get done and they fell through. And then I looked back six, 12, 18 months later and realized, wow, I got spared from something mm-hmm. there. But I, but I actually want to ask you more of a business question. We, we focus most of this on testimony and, um, you know, sort of spiritual things, which is great. I'm thrilled to do, but one of the things that I've been looking at doing, and I would like your feedback on this because you just touched a point, is uh, starting a blind pool fund, which many people do, and I'm, I'm definitely going to do it one way or another, but I feel very compelled to do it, allowing unaccredited investors into it. And I know there are dis- additional reporting and you have to have audited financials and things of that nature. It comes with expense. But one of the most grotesque things about our financial system, of which there are many, and I will not dive down that rabbit hole because it could get ugly fast. Oh yeah, we could have a whole separate show just Yes, that. we could. <laughs> but one of the things I hate the most is that we say to get involved with these things, you need to already be rich and successful. And I find that just to be abhorrent. I think that is one of the worst possible setups that we could have. So I had considered and am continuing to consider setting up this this pool for unaccredited investors as well. Is that something that you can see being beneficial to to folks? Absolutely. If mm. it, I mean, of course, it all as we know, it all comes down to the numbers. So it's got to be right. a solid investment. It's got to have all these great characteristics. Um, but as long as it is comparable to a lot of the five hundred six C Reg D offerings, you know, that are only open to accredited investors, which means you have to have at least two hundred thousand dollars of annual income or 300,000 if you're married or a million dollar net worth, not including your primary residence. So they use this kind of arbitrary wealth threshold as a proxy for financial sophistication and the ability to assess risk. Um, And so what has been so frustrating to me is I'm, you know, just objectively not 
toot my own horn, but I'm probably more financially sophisticated than the vast majority of accredited investors. No doubt. But because the nanny state tells me that I can't invest and I know their intentions are good. They're trying to, you know, protect people from things that go south. But yes, that has been, <laughs> you can talk to one of my clients who's also a, a very dear friend and coaching client of mine as well as financial client. And he knows how much I'm struggling with this. And I'm being open with him. Like, dude, this is my flesh right now. I'm struggling with this because it's so frustrating so if I didn't have to worry about that, and there were some, you know, 506B you know, offerings for sophisticated you know, investors, or even just anybody, um, now I think when you're talking about private equity and real estate syndication, you know, you probably don't want to just be taking anybody's money, yep. but you to, to not have to be accredited, if I had access to those same kind of return profiles, tax efficiency, and the diversification, you know, and kind of non-correlated or inversely correlated asset classes, to add to my existing portfolio, it would be an enormous blessing for me. And I think there's so many people out there like you, and you're very gracious with our, our nanny overlords and saying that they have good intentions. <laughs> I actually think it's the opposite. I think their intention yeah. is to keep those people as wage earners because wage earners pay taxes. And I, I think it's deliberately, <laughs> That's actually a good point. deliberately yeah. designed that way. And if you look at the people who designed our tax code, that's exactly what they wanted is they wanted assembly line type wage earners to do it, which is why a lot of these laws exist. But um, what you're saying is, is so interesting because I would certainly vet more strongly an unaccredited or sophisticated, you know, un unaccredited or maybe borderline sophisticated investor than I would an accredited one. And I think it would actually add to the strength of the group because my intention and my focus would be much more directed to make sure it was folks like yourself who are very clearly sophisticated investors, but maybe don't meet some idiotic arbitrary number that <laughs> the 18-year-old MBA or that just got an $8 million signing bonus qualifies for. Right. Makes no sense. Yeah. Um, but no, it, and, and the other thing is, is this would not affect the quality of the investments that we make. It would, it would almost sharpen it in a sense, because it makes yeah. me more accountable to making sure that these funds are so delicately handled for folks that don't have $10 million in the bank. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just look at it and, um, that's, that's one thing that we're doing. And another thing that we're doing that I'm not going to go into, but we are passionate if we're going to call ourselves a people brand, we are passionate about democratizing access to these types of uh, investments. And so yes. we are actively working on a totally separate fund that would democratize the single hardest asset. And I would argue the single most durable asset on the planet where we're, my goal is to make it so my 10 year old nephew can buy a piece of this fund with $10. That's, mm -hmm. that's our goal. That's what we're working on. So that, that those are the types of things that we're looking at. And, um, can you mention what that asset class is that you just referred to? I certainly like? can. I certainly can. I don't want to pitch my deal or something like that. Um, hey, this is where the supernatural meets the practical, bro. Yeah. This is, yeah. Uh, let it fly. So what we are working on is a fund that would have organic farm ground. And I'm mm -hmm. partnered with the premier organic farmer in, in Illinois and we would, we would have a fund. We'd be looking at three to 4,000 acres of premium organic farm ground with a timber and solar component as well for ca additional cash flow, um, wow. of which ultimately we will tokenize this fund, float a portion of it. So our barrier would be five or $10 to actually own real deeded uh, farm ground that is, in my opinion, the most durable, especially in periods of significant financial repression. 
or debasement, whatever word you want to use for it, which I believe that we are in an inflate or die loop as to where it doesn't matter if we have inflation or deflation, we're going to have super high highs and super low lows and increasingly narrow bands that will make durable assets like food, farm ground, uh, more and more and more and more important. So I think it is an incredible investment, but it's the single hardest asset in the world to buy for various reasons. And we want to flip that on its head and say, no, we're going to figure out a way where uh, my 10 year old nephew can, can get into this with, with 10 bucks. Wow. Is it hard to buy in part because of financing? It's hard to buy for any reason you can think of. So <laughs> 70, yeah. So 75, 70 to 75% of deals trade in a familial way, which means from father to son or, you know, from mother to to sibling or, or whatever it may be, it's, it's familial. So take out three quarters of the amount of ground that's transacted immediately. Of mm. the rest of the, say, 25%, about 75% of that 25%, so now you're up to over, you know, close to 95% total between 92 and 95% trades off market, which is uh, from 90-year-old ground owner to 50-year-old farmer or something of that nature, just a mm. private transaction off market. So you're talking about like five to 7% of deals that ever even come to market. Imagine if housing was that way, you'd never be able to buy a house. So that's the first barrier. The second barrier is it's expensive. So these trade in, call it a hundred acre tracks minimum, uh, 80, mm. 80 to hundred. And around here, average farm ground is 10 grand an acre. So you're talking a, a million dollars, a good ground's 15 grand an acre. So you're talking a million and a half dollars. Most of this financing requires 35 to 40% down. So if you don't have four or 500 grand to play for an asset that then doesn't usually cash flow, if you have debt on it, there, it's, it's impossible to buy. Even for, mm. for somebody like us, like if we were to get in on it on our own without these other strategies that we have to monetize these assets, it's incredibly hard to buy. So mm. somebody like Crosley, my nephew, he says to me, oh, I'm going to be a farmer. He has no idea that it's an almost impossible dream. And so we're saying, hang on, we need to figure out a way that people can actually buy and, and, and have the benefits of this asset without having to save for two thirds of their life before they can even you know think about dipping a toe into it. So mm. this is a pretty nascent idea and something that we're working through all the particulars of right now. But um, you know, we're, we're to the point of being very close to raising money to, to start this. So it's, it's, wow. uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I would say it's more than a nascent idea. It's a pretty well-founded idea. And we've got the partners in place. We've got the pitch deck mostly in place and it's, it's, we're, we're working on it. Mm. Well, it sounds like it might be right for a, uh, faith declaration perhaps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, looks like we found it, didn't we? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't want to put, uh, ideas in your head or words in your mouth, but I mean, I, this is one thing that, you know, I'll tell you, Isaac, um, the Lord has been speaking to me for about a year now about two things. Um, one, there's some kind of revelation that I still don't quite have yet. I have a you know, pretty good piece of it, but I, there's something about a connection between, um, agriculture and economics or investing like some kind of financial model, or maybe it's even not beyond a financial model, like a literal, like it's going to affect both, like what you're talking about. And I don't know what that is, but there, I find there's something up on that, that the Lord has been showing me about the way that the seed is in the fruit and the fruit is in the seed. So it's this mm. infinitely self perpetuating, self-multiplying um, feedback loop. But then there's, so that's interesting on one hand. And then uh, I've also been talking to some other people on, you know, the team at Unbridled Wealth that I am part of. 
And he deals with a lot of stuff in California. It might be a good connection for you guys. Mm. Awesome dude, really smart business consultant and doing that kind of stuff. But then also the other thing that he's been telling me about is um, just, again, it sounds good. Here's, I guess, one of my bold declarations I haven't really shared with anybody or that many people is that I will somehow be involved with, if not exclusively responsible for the development of a completely new financial product. Wow. So think of like, you know, um, the, um, the couple of examples just from our industry jump to mind, like the guy, Nelson Nash, who the Lord in, you know, a 3am prayer time discovered this whole thing we now call infinite banking, which is this incredibly powerful strategy. And maybe somebody else has been doing it. I think the wealthy have been doing it for generations, but that was just a, a revolutionary idea. It wasn't a new product. It was just a different application, different use case of an existing product that had been around for hundreds of years. Another one is like the index universal life now we have some bad examples, and I think those are both great. We have some bad examples with like, you know, collateralized debt obligations, synthetic derivatives and all kinds of craziness in the, you know, subprime meltdown era where people, you know, made these exotic, you know, financial instruments that did not help society. But I think God is calling us to a redemptive, um, a way to redeem the land, the world, the market systems, all these kinds of things. And, um, you know, I'm believing with you right now, maybe it's my declaration of faith for you, but I think this could possibly be something along those lines. Yeah, the, uh, touched on a lot of things there that are really interesting, and I I would argue even CDOs are uh, an interesting and potentially great investment that um, man used the right way. They yeah, you know, rehypothecated and used them yeah. the wrong way for you know weapons of mass financial destruction. I think <laughs> as Munger yeah. Buffett put it. But um, yeah. y- yes, I think the what you're just saying about the the thing you feel called to in your life is very synonymous with what we are saying, which is we didn't invent the blockchain or smart contracts, but we can use this to do a first of its kind thing, which is a, a fund, an agriculture fund. And I, I so fully agree with you that it's it's really near and dear to God's heart for some reason. Um, but we can be the first to actually do this and show an example of how we can democratize access to these things for the every, even every child, you know, every child. So yeah, we're taking absolutely. the the accredited thing. And we're saying, okay, that's, that's malarkey <laughs> to use a technical term. And we're, <laughs> and we're, we're going to flip this all the way onto the point where we're saying, no, we're going to take the hardest assets, the most durable assets in the world and children can buy them. And I think that's close to God's heart too. So um, yeah, I, I would be really interested to see where that declaration that you just made goes in your life to see what kind of things might get created out of that. That's, that's really cool, Ryan. Yeah. You know, I've just seen more and more like, you know, I love finance. I love being in the financial industry, but uh, my God, I'm seeing so much brokenness, like yes. beyond what I even knew before. I mean, we all knew from 08, like, you know, the cat was out of the bag. This is obviously a broken, corrupt system, but even things like this whole accredited investor thing, which even if we assume good intentions on the behalf yeah. of those who yeah. created it, it's still super frustrating. And I don't think somebody should tell me that I can't invest in whatever I choose to look at. Plus, by the way, how safe and secure is the stock market when you have zero control over it, your entire life savings <laughs> is in it, and instantly, like magic, 50% of it disappears. Like, you're telling me that's less risky? So anyway, I can go off on a whole tangent. But um, <laughs> but I do think that um, there he's called us into, he's called me at least, into an area that is um, really dark, but has so much potential that could be redemptive in so many ways. And mm-hmm. to make that available to people, it's been, you know, mostly known by its corruption and greed right now. But I think there's something so powerful about, like you say, democratizing these alternative asset classes that can help people in such ways that, um, you know, 
the average person is just probably not going to get ahead by working a job, even if it's a good high paying job, like you had putting in their 401k. I mean, people do that, but I I'm looking at how the wealthy, the truly wealthy and the very intelligent investors are allocating their money and the opportunities they have to invest in off market deals or private placements. The average person doesn't have access to, and it makes me both excited to get into that. And it also makes me almost enraged to see how the rich get richer the poor get poorer because people just don't know about these things. Or even if they do like me, they can't invest in them quite yet. And so anyways, this is a whole, you know, I mean, talk about uh, a great conversation combining these uh, disparate elements of uh, supernatural and practical. But I think that that's a big thing that I haven't shared with a whole lot of people yet. Certainly not on the podcast that, um, but I think God has plans for what you're doing, what I'm doing and, you know, to, to really and truly enrich people and make them better off. And, um, so, yeah, I, I think I've, I've definitely found my faith declaration for, for this episode. And I think that we'll clearly be talking offline, you know, <laughs> quite uh, frequently and often. But um, can you just share with people a little bit more about, you know, I know you got a lot of stuff, but for people who are interested in finding out more about some of these interesting things that we've talked about, they probably haven't heard before. And, and specifically what you're doing with um, particularly maybe the real estate syndication arm of you are and a people group talk about that and um, how people get in touch with you. <clears throat> and then we'll do your faith declaration to cap things off. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yes. And I'm looking forward to more conversations. They can get in contact with me. My email is Isaac, which is I S A A C at a peoplebrand.com. Our website is a peoplebrand.com. The syndication side of this, which is uh, you are abundant is just forward slash abundant. So a peoplebram.com forward slash abundant. And I write pretty regularly. I'm starting a YouTube channel with some of the things that I, that we do. And, and I think one of the things that you touched on is that, you know, we live in a, in a system in a society that money is not money, it's credit. Right. And we won't, right. we don't have to dive into that, but right. when you're in a credit based system, money is debt. And the only way the rich get ahead is they understand how to wield debt effectively. So, I believe that uh, that is a, a an awful system, and I believe that it punishes um, well-intentioned people that save, and it makes, to, yeah. to your point, it makes it incredibly difficult to, quote-unquote, get ahead or even just survive. But there is a silver lining here, and that silver lining is the incredible power that we have to educate via the internet. Yeah, and I know. I think that through things like what you're doing on the podcast, through what we're just starting to doing through writing and, and YouTube videos and things like that is there is a doctorate's degree times a thousand out there of free resources for people to learn these types of things. And that is a gift. I mean, that is an absolute gift from God that we're able to do that because now what has been democratized is education. And I would Mm -hmm. just say that, um, I'm a totally uneducated person. I never stepped foot in a classroom, even at a high school level, never went to college, never did anything. So everything really learned is either from the grace of other people teaching me or from just reading literally on the internet. And so <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I would just encourage people to get out there and, and really search for, um, for folks that can help them. And there are people out there that want to do it just out of the goodness of their hearts. And I, I actually keep a list of people that I have, have feel can verify their integrity and also their veracity as a, as an investor in a number of different, uh, disciplines. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to share that with anybody. Um, so, uh, yeah, a peoplebrand.com. And I would say my faith declaration, which, and 
you guys can believe this or not, but I, I didn't even know Here's this the was money a thing. shop folks. Here it is. Yeah, right. I didn't even know this is a thing. <laughs> I'm going to believe that the pieces fall into place for farm zero, which is what our, our, our fund is here. That would be tokenized. The pieces will fall in place for farm zero here in the next 60 days to make this a reality beyond just what is a, an idea and a concept right now. So I'm going to put a timestamp on there and in, Come in on, bold. yep, bold and, guys. uh, and say that that's, that's going to happen. So hold me to that. <laughs> okay. 60 days. Now you say tokenized, explain what that means to people who may not be familiar. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we are partnered with at partners, a loose word. We have advanced discussions with, um, a blockchain called T zero T Z E. Oh, awesome. Like it sounds, I'm not sure if you're yeah. familiar with T zero Ryan, but there's an offshoot of uh, overstock, right? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So Overstock owns- I've been researching this for years too. Very interesting. That was a blockchain thing. It was a whole other topic we could have, but that's interesting. So- Whole other topic, whole other Mm -hmm. topic. But if you want to read into it, anybody out there, again, go to t0.com and just look up the Aspen St. Regis. The Aspen St. Regis is a gorgeous- um, ski resort in Aspen, Colorado. Anybody would love to go there and vacation. Very, very four and a half star, I think, property. Extremely wow. nice property. That was the first example, to my knowledge, of a real estate transaction actually being tokenized. And why, why is this interesting? Wow. Because you, anybody, could go buy a piece of the Aspen St. Regis for $1.30 right now. Okay, so you can get in and buy part of an incredible resort, no minimums, $1.30. T0 is FINRA compliant, SEC registered. In my opinion, this is not advice, but in my opinion, T0 is going to be the smart contract blockchain transaction company of the future. Mm. And and virtually nobody invests in this right now. You, you are very rare in that you knew that this was an overstock.com venture, Medici Ventures, et cetera. But yeah. this blockchain is incredibly powerful. And we have partnered with them and said, here's our idea. How does this get, how do we set this up? What does this fund have to look like? And they've given us advice, extremely generous people, extremely generous with their time and their advice to say, here's how you have to do this. And ultimately what would happen is that our fund would own all the acreage, all the solar, all the timber, all the organic farm ground would own all of it in the fund. And then we would float a portion of that fund, just like, um, just like a, uh, an IPO, but it's an ICO where it's, mm. it's a coin that you're selling. We would float a portion of that on the blockchain and then people could go buy it for whatever, whatever we put it out there. It won't be more than $10. That's my pledge. But we could put it out there at $10 and they would know exactly what they were buying. They would be buying a portion of this fund. And, and it's attractive because it's way cheaper to do than an IPO. And you can do it with way fewer fees. Yeah. So there's not nearly as much of your investment sucked out by fees. And, yeah. um, you know, so our, our, our idea in this is like, you can go buy this like a REIT or something with, with, a am just throwing a number out, but a 50th of the fees or something and, and yeah. way more personal attention on what you're actually buying. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be partnered with the farmer that's actually going out there and pulling weeds, you know, to get this done. So, right. um, I, I think wow. that smart contracts in the blockchain, what, what specifically what T0 are doing eventually every significant asset or fund will trade on the blockchain. I, I genuinely believe mm. that. And I'm actually something of a crypto skeptic. I, I'm yeah. not, I'm a hard asset guy personally, but I believe that every major fund or every major real estate transaction will, will be on the blockchain for a number of reasons. One, because if you democratize access to hard to get assets, what's, what happens? It makes them worth more. Yeah. And two, I think investors are going to require that things are tokenized. Why? Because li- liquidity. Because they could go to the market and, and liquidate their 
before very illiquid asset, be it farm ground, real estate, royalties, which were involved in as well, they could they could take 10%, 20%, 50% of their investment and have liquidity immediately in the market with this setup. Mm. And I think it is an incredibly powerful thing that as an investor, five years from now, I think will be a requirement just to just to play the game. You'll have to have wow. the ability to tokenize and, and provide these things for your investors. Maybe I'm a little ahead of, of when that will happen, how quickly, but I think it'll be slowly and then all at once. That's so interesting because, you know, in addition to this kind of agricultural economic dynamic that God's been speaking about, and then the new financial product, blockchain has been something that I've been looking into for, you know, since basically the end of 2017 when Bitcoin, you know, spiked over 20,000 and then it went back down to about 5,000 or less. That got me thinking about it. And like you, I was a crypto skeptic. It was blockchain, not Bitcoin was kind of my mantra at the time, because I do believe blockchain has the power to be as transformative as the internet has been since the early to mid nineties. The the trick for me was figuring out how to invest in it. Again, having just being some schmuck off the street, who could only buy a publicly traded, you know, ticker symbol basically is the only way. And, you know, so this is really interesting to me from that aspect. I also think that there's the, there's a currency aspect to it because, um, I'm becoming less skeptical of Bitcoin now after seeing some friends really intelligently explain it to me because it has a finite supply. It cannot be manipulated. It's not controlled by a central bank, which as we know, is just devaluing currency at an unprecedented rate globally right now. But it also, um, it's an immutable transaction that you don't have to have, like you said, nearly as much fees on the lawyers and all the fintech and everything because it's like able to be seen on a public ledger, you know, decentralized ledger system And then you can do these kinds of things that not only give people access to these very niche alternative, but very profitable, attractive asset classes, depending on the case. And again, I'm not an investment advisor. I'm not securities licensed and I'm not giving specific advice to anybody, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the caveats. But I think that's incredibly powerful for that. And then also, like you said, it makes an extremely illiquid asset much more liquid, meaning it can be publicly traded people can get in and out of it, which I think actually there are some benefits to illiquidity, but I won't go into some rabbit holes, but I think that's really fascinating. Uh, I'm just kind of having a conversation with you. Forget the audience right now. This is kind of, hopefully you guys are hearing this and getting some benefit and you're interested in this stuff, but this is, this is hitting a lot of different things I've been thinking about and, you know, very frustrated about, but also very potentially, you know, excited about in other areas. So this is very interesting to me. Definitely. Uh, yeah, we could climb down the Bitcoin <laughs> hole. I will only say this. It's not gold. Uh, yeah. Bitcoin is man's closest replication of God's money gold. And yeah. um, I, I all the only thing I have to do have to say is that if you look back to the foundation of the Internet, there was a time when people thought AOL was the Internet. And I think AOL, <laughs> I think AOL is a pretty good symbolism to Bitcoin because yeah. AOL was not the internet. AOL right. was a browser built on the internet and Bitcoin, small b Bitcoin is not blockchain. It is an example. Yeah. It is probably the first use case of blockchain, yeah. but we know what happened to AOL. It went extinct. Yeah. And I, I would argue that uh, there's a really good chance Bitcoin goes extinct. And I know that seems hard to fathom right now. And I know it's the most powerful network in the world. And um, there's all sorts of effects that are in play because of that. I'm just saying people that are technologically advanced change their minds really, really fast. And I'm afraid (laughs) that that could happen with, with Bitcoin. However, to your point, blockchain has created some incredibly 
powerful. It's an incredibly powerful technology that we need people like yourself thinking about constantly as to how we can use this to further humanity because it will further mm. humanity. There's no question. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, one of the use cases that they brought up um, was a way to verify land ownership rights, particularly in undeveloped third world countries where rule of law is scarce at best. I know this because <laughs> when I was in Afghanistan, we dealt with this a lot. I was a part of the um, you know, documentation media exploitation program for kind of supporting the Intel group. And a lot of what we came across were these documents of saying this person had this land and it's primarily an oral tradition society. And then there's a lot of corruption too. So mm. being able to prove immutably land ownership, which as we all know, the asset class that has produced by far the most wealth over time, you know, that we know of is real estate. And so the ability to democratize land ownership, alternative asset class ownership, liquidity, all these kinds of things. I think there's a very redemptive aspect. And I know we're going deep into some really practical things more than <laughs> I probably ever have on the show before, but I'm not scared of that now. Um, I think there's a, an incredibly redemptive, like kingdom revolutionary, like innovative concepts that people like us should be leading and not just looking to, you know, all the secular business leaders. I think there's something really close to God's heart about improving the average, you know, um, circumstances for so many people that are right now completely oppressed or, you know, maybe repressed like myself, or they don't get those, ac uh, those access to opportunities. So this is something I think there is a very spiritual component to this. Boy, that's huge. And you just broadened my, you broadened my perspective again. It seems like every time I talk to somebody, they, they show me how small my thinking is because, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about my nephew who no offense is extremely privileged. Like, uh, you know, his parents make great money, wonderful people, but like, he's very privileged, lives in a nice house in Peoria, Illinois, and, you know, grew up a, a white male. Right. Right. Um, what about the kid that's, that's in Sudan and, right. and is out there hacking it every day at a fruit stand and, and making $2 a day and then doing it, not even to, you know, that's probably a great wage, <laughs> yeah. um, but is, is doing it in a currency that is devaluing at 15 or 20% a year. There's oh, zero hope yeah. for that person. Now yeah. imagine that that kid has a phone, which he probably does. Imagine that that kid has a phone can get on and he sees a tweet from a guy named Mark Cahotis and Mark Cahotis day after day after day after day after day talks about T zero. And now imagine he gets onto T zero and he comes and buys the farm zero thing. He is bookmarking the greatest monetary asset gain, financial gain possible that he can with, with dollars, a few dollars that he's earning. It, it could change, these types of ideas could change the trajectory of absolutely desolate places just with that yes. kind of thing. And that's, that's an extreme example, but like you just opened my mind to the idea, this isn't probably even for my nephew. This is probably for those people who desperately need something other than their own trash currencies, of which the yeah. dollar is one of. <laughs> I mean, you look at God's heart for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the oppressed, the outcast, the foreigner, you know, there's something, there's this, such anointing on, on ministering in those areas. Cause just repeatedly throughout scripture, you see that. And I think I truly believe blockchain technology and possibly these kind of like previously, um, you know, inaccessible for the most part, uh, alternative asset classes can, can make, and even for like, just like the average American, right. The person yeah. who's doing pretty good, has got their 401k, They've got their house, you know, like these kind of basic wealth building mechanisms that are what mainly the only things people know about when you can start expanding 
their portfolio for the average like middle income American or you know even upper middle class American, it can have a vastly transformative impact on their finances and their situation. And you know the way I got into the financial industry is I started with as like more of a spiritual coaching ministry type thing, mm. and eventually it always came to finances. And I find that so much of the time, I hate to say this, especially in the church you know, even though money is least in the kingdom of God, it becomes the tail that wags the dog in the natural for so many people who can't step into, they don't have the freedom to step into their calling, to step into their destiny, their sweet spot, as I call it, you know, like you and I have been able, you know, been blessed and fortunate through a lot of intentionality to do and -hmm. financial savvy. And that to me is just like that. Those people are just as much on my heart, probably more to be honest, because that's who I deal with more than, you know, the desolate people in Africa, but everybody I think can stand to benefit from not only, you know, blockchain technology, but also just, you know, financial democratization because people are, uh, socialism is becoming appealing because there's a generation who hasn't seen true capitalism in its raw form that's not manipulated by so much corruption and, you know, cabals between the you know public and private sectors. And I just, there's some, something on this, I'm telling you this conversation we're having right now, Isaac, there's something about this. It's really huge that I think is on God's heart. And um, I think it starts with people like you and me. There uh, it is. There's another bold declaration. Huge, huge. And, and, y- you know, I, I, I think, and I'm probably I'm a poor historian, but I'm, I, I know it's close. Karl Marx basically said that the surest way to to uh, take um, the morals and the faith out of a system, which which is what communism wants to do, is to debauch the currency. Yeah. And it does that because it, it, money consumes your life when you are constantly fighting against something that is designed to fail, which is what this mm. currency is it's designed to fail when you combine that with a system that says you should dump all your money passively into this casino over here <laughs> and that's what people are inundated with every single day of their life and i think that's a really high calling for people who have a passion for helping people and for edu- you know in a very benign sense and for educating people is we have to come out here and and point out the lies point out the lies because when you're looking at an S&P 500 that's trading at 3.1 or 3.2 times sales, that is just unconscionably expensive. Yeah. And it's because of this grotesque, grotesque system that we have. And it's, yeah. it's an example of the currency being debauched faster and faster and faster every day. So I think there's a, a really high calling for us to continue to educate even if it's not for our own gain, to continue to educate, to say there are other ways and there are other ways to get yourself outside of this horrible system and some yeah. strategies that you can use. So yeah, this definitely. Yeah. Man, oh, that's so good. I'm, I'm, it's cool that we're talking about this publicly because again, this isn't just a practical financial thing that's only for people like us who really nerd out to this stuff. This affects <laughs> everybody's lives in very significant and far-reaching ways. And um, you know, when, when you can start to see truth for yourself, but I, it, you know, I sail to this day, think a revelation of grace on so many levels was the most transformative paradigm shift I ever had, mm. uh, a, just because of the inherent, you know, subject matter about involved in it. But this is another thing that I'm seeing more and more, whether it's finances, theology, uh, epidemiology now with COVID, like, because I have been through the process of fundamentally changing my deepest held beliefs that I've had for the longest period of time, which is my whole conception of God and how things work. Because I've gone through that, not only do I have that particular revelation, I now am more able and willing to fundamentally change my mind and my beliefs when the facts warrant it. 
And I think of that old famous, you know, the saying by the economist, I believe it was Keynes, you know, he says, um, I change my opinion when the facts change. What do you do, sir? And, yeah. you know, I'm seeing that this ability to think independently and discard it just simply erroneous, if not like, um, you know, belief systems that don't optimize the, the best outcome or value for me that aren't, you know, serving me well or other people well, that's so important. And most people aren't willing or able to think like that. And it's, you know, so there's an educational piece of this in addition to a financial and a spiritual piece. So, I mean, we are really starting to connect a lot of dots when we go in and this is awesome. I feel like this has come like almost like a, a almost a different type of talk show or something, but this is, yeah, I told you supernatural meets the practical and we're getting practical. We talked about spiritual, you know, it's both ends. So, um, you know, hope your eyes aren't glazing over from this, but there are important <laughs> things that people, not everybody like you and I, Isaac have a very specific interest inclination. And I think just natural and supernatural anointing to go really deep into some like macroeconomic theory and, you know, deep in the weeds on like detailed financial projections and, you know, ability to assess these things. You don't need, everybody doesn't need to do that. That should be the job of financial advisor, not to throw you in a 60, 40 blends of stocks and bonds that are overpriced and call you diversified. I mean, that's oh, a joke. Yeah. It is a joke. It is. And, um, I guess I would I would maybe leave your listeners with just a, a bit of a tip. And, I, and again, this comes from a place of weakness, which it seems like everything that I have in my life comes from. Um, <laughs> but if you have an idea, if you have a desire, if you have even the inclination to learn or to teach these things, approach it with some tenacity and some mm -hmm. courage. Because yeah. one of the finds that I, one of the things that I find in Christianity, particularly Christian men, is that we are weak and we are soft. And, um, you know, I, I would just say that it's time for us to step up. It's time for us to step up. It's time for us to pursue these things that God has put on our heart, ask questions, ask people for help. Don't stop until it's done and then do something else because, you know, good men standing by and doing nothing. Right. And, yeah. and, and we must, we must be vulnerable, honest, transparent, and tenacious about the things that God has asked us to do. That's the only way we will make a difference. That's so well said. And for anybody who didn't quite catch that uh, reference there, I think you were quoting Bonhoeffer when he said that the only thing that is necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. That's the one. And that was obviously re referring to Nazi Germany in the Holocaust, but uh, you could say there's, it sounds a little extreme, there's maybe an economic and financial holocaust, a political holocaust that's happening right now, and a lot of people don't know it. And by the time it's mainstream, it's too late. So not to be alarmist, but this is just a, such an interesting application of some of the very deep like things in our heart that we're talking about that I think God has, um, again, on a spiritual and a very practical level that converge because we don't live compartmented lives. We live integrated lives, whether or not we realize it and act accordingly. So this is all some really important stuff. I'd encourage you guys to really think, pray about research. And um, if you have any things I can put in the show notes, Isaac on some, some other reading and articles, I could show, share a lot, but um, I, I mean, I think it sounds like you've got a lot of good stuff. You're sharing your own articles on uh, a peoplebrand.com slash abundance, which is like kind of your syndication and, and, you know, but they could just go to a peoplebrand.com I probably need to start getting back on the blog wagon here and doing some stuff because there are some very important things that a lot of people don't know about. And I believe that God, you know, the prophet is appointed by God, whether it's to speak specifically about something that happened or is going to happen for Israel back in the day, 
or if we're talking about something now, I think there are prophetic voices in the marketplace, in the financial space that need to step up. Like you said, be tenacious, be bold, and be willing to think differently and, and not worry about what people say. Because another quote that I'd like to share is from Mark Twain, which he said, anytime you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to seriously pause and reconsider or something to that effect. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And I'm finding myself increasingly thinking like the minority in a lot of public issues because it doesn't make sense. And then, like I said, I had that ability to fundamentally change what I believe and think differently. And now that applies to so many things. So being able to think well under an enlightened Holy Spirit kind of led process, but also with a lot of natural practical knowledge, I think that comes together. Everything we're saying, I mean, this is probably the most like, striking episode of any podcast I've had where we talk about truly the super, super spiritual and personal with the super, super practical and they're both. And, you know, they come together like everything. Yeah, definitely true. I think that's, uh, you sum that up really, really well, but I, I, I just think that, um, we have to take the gifts that we've been given and get them out there and get them out there with intentionality and putting in the work to get that done. And if we do that, the fruit will be there. And I don't even mean that in a gain sort of sense. I just mean in kingdom impact and, and what that might Absolutely. look like, because there are so many lies out there. And I would add that um, something very near and dear to my heart is that being contrarian or being in the minority or, or, or having sort of a, a natural distrust of the government, those things are all good and fine. But as a Christian, we are called to do it with grace and love and kindness Amen. And, the fruits, and the fruits of the yes. spirit. And I will say one of the most heartbreaking things of the last year for me has been watching people put up more of a fight about wearing a mask than they yeah. have a fight for their neighbor's soul or salvation. Yeah. And to me, we missed Amen. it. We missed yep. it. Amen. And, and so I, I just encourage people, contrarianism is great. All these, you know, being in the minority is great do it with grace and actually make yes. it, make it compelling for somebody yeah. to say, wow, they do that. I, I like, kind of like what I see rather than making mm. an, an argument or a fight. So well said. I, that's a whole other, you know, multi-part <laughs> podcast series I can go into just right off that. But I agree with you hundred percent. I get fired up about things, but we're not going to influence culture and be good representatives of who we are, who we have inside us, who we're made from. Um, if we do it with rancor, we have to be winsome. You know, we have to be very spot on with our research and our analysis and like, you know, the, the facts and the data. Um, but we need to also can deliver it in a way that is not only compelling and convicting, but that's also in done in just a very likable, um, easily assimilable way to people who would not otherwise be able to, uh, you know, choke that down maybe, uh, proverbially. Yeah, for, for sure. And it, uh, radical transparency and vulnerability helps because I can tell you that these conversations for me are so much easier because I've already put out there that I'm, I'm the lowest of the low. So it's like, but nobody's going to assume yeah. that I think I'm anything great because <laughs> it's all out there. You know, anybody can go look it up and that, and that helps. So, it, you know, if, if there are benefits to having been down to the felt and admitting it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it really takes a lot of the uh, pressure off to try to perform or live up to anything. Cause it's like, let me, let me just, in case you guys are, a bubble is forming here. Let me just go ahead and pop that right now myself. And now you just know, like I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal. I don't have any distance to fall, but at that being said, you and I do have some gifts that we need to acknowledge and, and that we're working in that area right now. And I think for a lot of people, whatever that is for you, you know, own that, not, you know, pridefully or with an ego, 
but in the humility of, I literally have been given this as a gift from God by his grace, you know, there's no other explanation for it. And I can be intentional to partner with him in cultivating that for greater impact. But like, you're not, when you have that humility, it doesn't set you up for, you know, the temptation to become um, prideful, self-sufficient, or to start like boasting and doing it from pride. So, you know, all really, really great points on many levels, uh, in this, uh, really engaging conversation. I hope you guys are enjoying this as the listeners, as much as I'm having, uh, as I am having the conversation. And again, if you want to get in touch with Isaac Bennett, go to a peoplebrand.com, particularly just kind of capping things off with that really bold declaration, uh, a 60 day, capital raise period. Um, what is the amount you guys are raising and how can people learn more about that? Well, we actually have not defined an amount yet. We've more defined a, uh, a quantity of acreage that we would be looking for, which would actually be sort of what determined the amount. But I'm still working on exactly how the equity works against debt or a preferred option there. So um, call it in the in the three to $5 million range of what we would raise. Um, and and I, I think that even beyond that, it's really just about getting it in front of people that catch the vision and see the vision and understand that um, I don't ask anybody to make an investment just for the kingdom purposes. That's not yeah. what we're here for. We're here to make investors money, period. Yeah. I, I yeah. will tell you that if we make money from that investment, it's for kingdom purposes and I'm not going to shy away from that at all. But right. at the same time, we are we are absolutely dead set on 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 with excellence and absolute care, only finding durable, long lasting five generation type assets for our, mm. our, our uh, investors. So you, you have that commitment from me. So um, this particular thing, I, I just think in the next 60 days, we're going to, um, I'm going to declare that we're going to find the traction and the direction that we need to organize this, get it together, get the fund started and, and have capital flowing in by that point. So yes, that's, okay. that's what I'm putting out there. Well, sometimes, you know, you can't always this is something that Andrew Womack taught that I thought was really interesting. I'm not necessarily called to go build orphanages in, in Africa and huts and, and wells and all these things, but I can participate in the anointing by giving into that. And I did that. And it's actually led in large part to where I am now on a lot of really? levels, you know, absolutely. So where you want to go is the way he says it. Interesting. And so I am participating in the anointing of these people I've given into. So if you don't have necessarily the inclination or the background or skill set to do something like this, but you believe in it, if you're listening to this, you can participate in that blessing and anointing by sowing into this. I'm living proof of this, guys. If you've been following me for any number of years, you've seen the incredible things, especially over the last 12 months, how my life has accelerated. It's by following these exact principles. Mm. And so I believe what you're doing. I'm certainly going to be having a, a call. As soon as we stop hitting, I, I hit stop record. We're going to talk a little offline, but um, this is really important stuff, guys. And in case you think this is just some, you know, sales pitch, I, you know, worked up or something. I had literally talked to Isaac for about five minutes the other day. I didn't know about any of this stuff. We were having a conversation in real time. You're just listening to it. And, and this is really cool for me. So I hope you're catching that excitement, <laughs> anointing, at least that intrigue or curiosity to learn more about it. And again, go to a peoplebrand.com slash abundance. It sounds like is where they can learn more about this particular project. Yeah, that project you won't even find on there. What you'll find mm -hmm. on, a, on abundant is a bunch of previous projects that we've done and some teasers for additional ones, because this is one of, I think we're working on five different deals right now. Um, that's, that's one wow. of them. And it's the most conceptual. There's several other literal deals that we're either under LOI or we're working on financing right now. This is a, more of a, of a conceptual thing that, um, and just to, affirm 
confirm what Ryan said is, is I had the only expectation I had was coming on here and basically giving my testimony and not talking even about about pornography, about (laughs) pornography. Yes, literally, literally. So that's kind of what I was mildly prepared for. And (laughs) all of this is just an offshoot of talking about pornography. Yes. So I think we all got a lot more than we bargained for, which is a really good thing for this one. (laughs) I certainly had no idea where this conversation was going to go, but we prayed beforehand guys. Again, uh, you know, we're, we're preaching what we practice here. Um, and, and it was just like, all right, Lord, just open this conversation up and let it go where it needs to go. And people are going to hear what they need to hear and, and get what they need to get from it. So I hope that's been the case. Isaac, man, can't wait to like be best friends with you immediately. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm not, it's been really not fun. To it's, be a, creepy, but, uh, it's a true pleasure. It's a true pleasure. I really appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, absolutely. Paul was spot on when he said we needed to connect. I can see why on a lot of levels. Um, so guys, seriously, check that out at peoplebrand.com slash abundance, particularly if you're interested in the syndication stuff, research some of the stuff, start learning for yourself. This is an area, this is a time I think where we need to start thinking for ourselves and particularly under the guidance of the Holy Spirit more than ever. Clearly, Isaac, you've helped contribute to that. Um, I love being partnered in these kinds of um, relationships. And I have a feeling you're going to be back as a frequent guest. Hopefully 60 days from now, we'll have an update. Let's just kind of put that on the books, at least tentatively, and uh, let the Holy Spirit just, you know, do his thing. So um, <laughs> anyways, we've, we've covered a lot of ground, but uh, I just want you guys to be encouraged. A, if you're dealing with addiction, if you're dealing with some kind of deeply held sin, you've seen that power of, of transformation and redemption that happens when you bring that into the light. Confession instead of suicide. Praise God you made the, you know, the former and not the latter decision. Um, and then all kinds of other things, rabbit trails we've gone down. It's been so awesome. But if you guys have been encouraged by this, um, please let us know right in. I'm going to get, um, you know, if you want to leave your email too, I can put that in the show notes or if people can just reach you through the website personally, Isaac, um, there, I have feeling for the nature of what you talked about, a lot of people probably don't want to put something on a public website. So would you be comfortable right. sharing your email? Yeah, absolutely. It's Isaac, I S A A C at a peoplebrand.com. And, um, again, uh, I've had many of these conversations with people and, and you have my absolute confidence. Again, I'm not a counselor. Um, I am somebody that will be extremely honest and direct with you. And most of the time, my advice is going to sound like the advice my sister gave me, which is confess today, do it now. Mm. And actually there's, there's, uh, an, uh, I, I must call out Oswald Chambers and his I- impact on getting me to the point of, of, of confessing. And, and not killing myself, but the, he has one of his dailies and I'm sorry, I don't remember the day, but the title of it is do it now. And if, when mm. it comes to these topics, go pick up, uh, um, my utmost for his highest and just mm. flip to the, the short two, three paragraph devotional that says, do it now and, and read it until you do it until you confess, until you do mm. what you have to do. And, um, that's the first piece of advice I would give anybody, but my absolute confidence for anything that you might share or anything you need to get off your chest, just be prepared that my advice is going to be that to start <laughs> do it now. So yeah, yep. that's that <laughs> transparency in action right now, even so uh, we yep. see that. So yeah, that's awesome. So Oswald Chambers, the, uh, brilliant theologian and author, my outburst for his highest is the book. And then do it now is the specific, um, day for that devotional. And then Isaac at a peoplebrand.com. You can read, you know, write in or you know, just reach out. And I'd love to hear too, if you guys were inspired by this or just this intrigued you, even if you were, you know, if you had a negative reaction, I'm just curious to hear how this went down. This is a very different conversation that I probably had. 
before in certain ways on the podcast. Um, but we want to hear about that. And then lastly, this is something that the Lord has been actually convicting me about lately. This will be my first time doing this since the book launch, which is the only other time. But if this is blessing you, if you're getting encouraged and fed from this, consider making a donation. I have not publicly asked for this. I don't need that right now. I do this as a labor of love as I have for the last four or five years at a net loss, because that's what God's calling me to do. But, you know, another thing Andrew Womack said is, you know, give where you're fed and mm. so where you want to go. So if you want to be doing the kind of stuff we're doing, if you're just fed by this and you've been encouraged by it, or this gave you just one little tidbit and you're going to go research a blockchain or, you know, uh, T-Zero or something random, you know, yeah. like whatever we yeah. talked about, if just, you know, if this is blessing you, then give into it because again, you're participating in that anointing and that return, not only financially, but spiritually and eternally. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm trans full transparency, just like you modeled for us, Isaac, I'm going to be doing this more often now with the podcast, this being my first day, this is kind of a day of first, I guess, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, I guess so. That's for the awesome. podcast. Yeah. But if, if you have been blessed by this and, and you want to support this mission and making it have a, a wider reach, um, then not only share your treasure that the Lord has given you, if you believe in your heart, and this is not obligation, if you don't truly feel cheerful and joyful and like you truly can't wait to give, then don't do it. Because I, I talk about that. You can read the book. It's the whole thing. But, um, but also give away the material. If somebody you know is struggling with pornography, addiction, or is interested in creating wealth and some different ways of thinking about things, anything in this episode that could help somebody, share that with them and ask them to share it with somebody else. Because at the end of the day, this platform exists to get the gospel to the four you know, corners of the earth, which like you said earlier, Isaac, now thank God, because of technology, uh, I'm, you know, we're being heard in over 50 countries now. And this isn't wow. like some huge successful podcast, but it's just the power of the internet. And that can be a tool for evil or good. Mm. We're going to use it for good. Amen. So um, anyways, guys, you got a mouthful today, but I hope it was <laughs> worth it. Let us know. Isaac, thank you once again. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. I can't wait to connect with you more and have you back on in the future. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ryan. It really was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Amen. Well, thank you guys. Uh, chew on all this stuff. There's plenty to chew on and we will see you next week on A Better Way. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Better Way podcast with Ryan Haley. For more information and to discover more episodes, visit abetterwaypodcast.com or search us on iTunes, TuneIn, or any of your favorite online audio sites. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes or send us an email. Have a suggestion for who we could interview next? Let us know on our website. Finally, A Better Way is listener-sponsored. Help us to further the message of kingdom entrepreneurship by supporting us financially. You can give online on our website, abetterwaypodcast.com. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.